1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to start there in verse 4. So we've been talking about healthy relationships this month. And I thank God, I really thank God for this series and what he's been doing because we've learned so much this series. We, we, we kicked it off and talked about uh, the fact that love bears all things. And then Pastor Dan uh, followed and spoke on love believes all things. And then Brother Manny did an amazing job and preached a message, uh, love hopes in all things. And relationships are a blessing. Can you say amen? God's blessed us with relationships in our lives as we prepare to read here. Um, and it's God's design that we would enjoy the blessings of relationships. I mean, you talk about relationships in so many aspects, you know, from, from within our home, you know, from our family, our parents, you know, our brothers and sisters, our siblings, our children. And then we, we expand and we think about the community and your neighbors and your coworkers and God has just surrounded us and blessed us with so many relationships. It's God's design that we would be involved in relationships. We're not meant to fly solo. Relationships can bless our lives, can really help us out. It's His design that we have healthy relationships. There's a blessing of, of nurturing in healthy relationships. And what does that involve? It involves people. That nurturing and that health that, that comes to relationships, it involves people. But now the difficulty on the flip side in relationships comes because of people. <laughs> you and I, we have our hang-ups, we have our situations, we have our, our complexes and our baggage and all these things and, and, and all these things that we carry. And relationships can be such a blessing, but they can have their difficult Moments. Now the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Hello. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity or sin. But rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Now here's the crux of our series. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And tonight I want to minister a message entitled, Love Endures All Things. If you would help me to pray this evening, if we could bow our heads, we're going to believe God together. Praise God. Father, we're so grateful for everything, God, that you've given us, Lord God. We thank you, first of all, Lord, for your love towards us, God. That you loved us so much that you desired to be in relationship with us, Father God, with, with our lives, Lord. We thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice that made it possible to be in loving communion with our Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for loving us and for touching us. And, and just help us tonight, Lord, to learn what it means to have a healthy relationship that's designed by you, Lord. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. So here we see the key of the scripture here that love endures all things. Now, endure means to suffer patiently, particularly something painful or difficult. So the fact that love endures all things means that it will, love will suffer patiently. 
And our love will be put to the test. One commentator said this, that most of us can bear all things. Most of us can believe all things. Most of us can hope all things, but only for a while. The greatness of agape love is it keeps bearing, believing, and hoping. See, that's what sets us apart. That's what sets the love of God apart. See, we can all do these things on our own strength for, for, for just but for a while. We could bear all things. We could hope all things. But how many can endure all things? And that's done when we have the love of God and we practice the love of God in our lives. So as we talk about healthy relationships and how God wants to help us have healthy relationships in our lives, we have to understand that love tolerates wrong accusations and insults. The love of God will tolerate these things. Now we know how we are, our personalities, we come from different backgrounds, and, and perhaps you came from a background where you would not allow yourself to ever be crossed for anything negative to be said to you, that your guard would go up like that, or you had particularly you had the gift of, of just coming back at someone with, with vocabulary that we dare not speak here in church. <laughs> Love tolerates wrong accusations and insults. And this is key in having healthy relationships. Because if you've been in any relationship, you understand that perhaps you've been accused wrongly for something, or you've been at the wrong end of insult, you, you've, you've experienced these things. And the question for you and I, people of God, is what do we do when we're on the receiving end of accusation and insults? Do we look for our soapbox and, and, and do we begin to proclaim our righteousness and who we are and how right we are? See, we're talking about healthy relationships tonight. In any relationship, there are going to be tests relationships are awesome. They're beautiful. They're nurturing. Thank God for them. But there are rough patches that we face sometimes. And if I could speak to the marriages for just a moment, if you've been married for any amount of time, you understand this. You love each other. You, you work it out, but you understand that you're, you're two separate individuals, that you have your own way of thinking. You have your own opinions. But what does the love do? Love helps you to endure. It helps you to continue to love, to understand, to, to have empathy for that other person. Why? Because you love them. When you're wronged, are you so quick to defend yourself and to fight back and to reply back and to argue back? See, on the, the face, it may seem like this may be the right way to be in this world with, with relationships, that, that if we're right, then we proclaim our righteousness and we stand up for ourselves, and there's a place and there's a time for that, I understand, but we look at our beautiful example, Jesus Christ, and how he was and how he dealt with accusations, and prophetically speaking, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, we get prophecy here of, of our Lord and Savior, the Bible says here, it says, He was oppressed and treated harshly. How many of us can relate? You've ever been oppressed? You've ever been treated harshly? Does it say that He 
proclaimed his righteousness and he began to argue and he began to, to proclaim his own goodness and how right he was. No, what does the Bible say? Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the, the shearers, he did not open his mouth. If anyone ever had a reason to proclaim their purity and their righteousness and how they were right and everyone else was wrong, it was Jesus because he was perfect and is perfect. He came to help humanity to save the lost. We understand the, the scripture in Luke chapter 4 where he came to set the captive free. He, he came to set at liberty those that are, are oppressed. He came just to help humanity to heal people. He came to save us. Yet he was accused of this and of that, of doing this and doing that. What does the Bible say? It says, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. I think many times we don't need any more practice in arguing. We don't need any more practice in sharing our thoughts and opinions about any subject under the sun and, and even willing to, to bring arguments about because of that. But I think we can practice a little bit more this passage here, just like our Lord, that yet he never said a word. We're so quick to share our opinions, aren't we? When we're wrong, we're so quick to jump on the defensive. And even if it's at the expense of that relationship that God has blessed you with, oh, I will never be wronged. They're not going to talk about me like that. They're not going to say that to me. But what did the Lord do? He did not open his mouth. I understand there's a time and place that you have to proclaim righteousness. You have to stand up for truth. But God gives us a wisdom. And sometimes, sometimes, many times, I would venture to say, our issues and problems can and will be resolved if we learn to just, how can I say it nicely, never, say, never said a word. He did not open his mouth. I think we could begin to practice this a little bit more, perhaps at school for students or perhaps at your, your job, perhaps in the four walls of your home, perhaps in your marriage, perhaps with your children or children, perhaps with your parents. How many of us like to have the last word, right? Oh boy, we like to have the last word. We always want to be the one to have the last word. But it says here, Jesus, he did not open his mouth. What an example he is for us. Can you say amen? How graceful he, he is to us and how graceful he was even when he was betrayed. He was perfect and had more reason than anyone ever in history to defend himself. But yet he understood the value of trusting God and keeping quiet. It's revolutionary. I believe if we take steps to practice, practice this quality in our lives and allow God to develop this, this grace 
and this patience and this long-suffering, this love, this agape love, if, if we let the Lord just develop that in our life and we put it to practice, I believe that our relationships will be revolutionized. Our marriages will be revolutionized. The relationship with our children or with our, our siblings or, or at, at the workplace with our bosses or with our coworkers. Love tolerates wrong accusations and insults. I pray this week that we remember this and that the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what we're talking about tonight so that we can be blessed and we can enjoy the blessings of healthy relationships. We have to also understand that offenses will come in relationships. You're going to be offended. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. You're going to feel betrayed sometimes. You're going to feel uh, backstabbed sometimes. Offenses will come to test your relationships. The Bible says so. Offenses will come. You could write this scripture down, Matthew 18, 7. This is where the Lord said, offenses must come. And if... Any of us have been offended. We understand how difficult it is to get over that. There are offenses that, that we experience throughout the day. Perhaps someone cuts you off, right? You know, you, most of the time you can get over that in, in, in a matter of seconds or minutes or perhaps hours for some of us. <laughs> but you get over it. Why? Because there's really no personal connection with that person. You're, you're most likely never going to see them again. But how difficult it is to get over an offense when it's come from someone that, that's close to us, someone that we love. And this is where we need God's help. We need to seek God in prayer, and we have to trust God, and we need the love of God working in our life and in our mind and in our spirit so that we can get over these offenses because offenses will come. They'll come at the workplace. You'll be offended. Perhaps you've been working on a project and someone else is going to get the credit. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, no, no, that was me. That was all me. I want the glory for that. Or are you going to do as Jesus did? Just do it unto the Lord. Let your character stand out and do it unto the Lord. Give him the credit. That's okay. I, I did it unto God and I know the work that I'm doing. It's difficult sometimes to get over the offenses especially if it's come from the hands of someone that's close to us. And perhaps the degree of that offense is something that you feel that you just can't get over. Can I say to you that God will help you to get over those offenses? That God will help you to, to be able to move on, and that will be a miracle in your life. There are things that are easy for us to get over, there are the, to, to, to get past. There are those, those issues in our life, those offenses that are easy to get past, but there are those things in our life that we've experienced, you feel you can't forgive. You can't forget about it. You feel you can't move on. You feel it's a mountain or it's a wall that's in front of you, and, and, and as much as you desire to move on, you feel that you cannot get over that offense. Proverbs 18, 19, the Bible says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. There are some offenses that you've experienced 
And perhaps you're smack dab in the middle of it right now. God wants to help you. With God's power and with God's love, you can get over that offense. It doesn't have to hold you back. It doesn't have to slow you down. It doesn't have to ruin and destroy your life. It doesn't have to rob you of the future that God desires for you. The devil is so foul. The Bible says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he loves and desires to destroy families and to destroy relationships, to destroy the blessings and the nurturing that that we can get from godly relationships. The devil understands the power that's found in in agreement and unity. Can you say amen? The Bible says that, that that a threefold cord is not easily broken. Two are better than one. How beautiful it is, the Bible says, when, when brothers are able to dwell together in harmony. God is about unity and having us unified so that we can accomplish all that he desires. But oh, the devil, church, he's a serpent. He's sly and he's slick and he comes in and he tries to bring division in the very relationships that God has brought into your life. The Bible says we can't be ignorant of his devices. Perhaps this week, oh man, you've been through some things in your relationships. The devil is assaulting your relationship. The devil is striving to destroy everything that God has put together in your life. God desires so many blessings for us. He desires that, that our relationships would thrive and they would, they would nurture our lives and we would benefit from them. But the, the devil desires to steal, kill, and destroy what? Those relationships. The series is called Healthy Relationships, and that's God's desire in our lives. And we have a blueprint here. We have a blueprint. We look at scriptures like we just read together, Isaiah 53, 7, and and we're able to to know how to act and, and to treat others. We learn how to respond to offenses and to insults. We learn from God's word. Don't rely on your feelings, church. I can't rely on my feelings because they're going to lead me astray. Today I'm happy, everything is going great. Tomorrow I'm offended and then emotionally I can go here, I can go there. If I, if I give into it and I succumb to my emotions, it's just going to lead me down a path that I don't want to be. We have to stand on God's word. When we're offended, there's a lot of emotion involved. We've been there. We've all been there. It's not news to you. I understand that. Your mind's racing. Your emotions are are, are just boiling over, and you want to say this. You want to say that. You want to go here. You want to go there. You want to do this. You want to do that. We want to do all these things, but it's in those times, church, that we have to stand on the Word of God and stand fast. Don't make rash decisions, especially when we're emotional. This is real life, church. We come to, we come to church to, to, to be real, right? To hear this. We need God's help in our relationships. Perhaps you've been offended and you're tempted to just throw that relationship away. Perhaps it's with someone that's very close to you. Perhaps it's family. Our God-given relationships are too valuable. You're too valuable to just be tossed to the side. And can I say that the God-given relationships in your life that God wants you to, to nurture and to build on, they're too valuable to be 
should be kicked to the side. Now, I'm not talking about those negative things in our life, those relationships that just continue to take us down and tear us down and lead us into sin. You know, we have to stand for righteousness and we have to pick and choose. We, and there's God's wisdom in that. But there are relationships that God wants us to work on and practice forgiveness. The easier thing to do would just be to turn our back on them. To harbor resentment and unforgiveness would be the easier thing to do. But in the long run, it's going to hurt us. We have to forgive one another. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. How many want to be forgiven in here? We all want to be forgiven, right? We, we have hang-ups, we mess up, we, we trip, we say things or do things that we shouldn't do. And Lord, I, I want you to forgive me. So the Lord's telling me that I must forgive them. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others... Your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a sobering scripture, isn't it, church? We have to forgive. We have no choice. <laughs> we have to forgive. We have to let this quality be a practice in our life, this, this decision to forgive. It has to be at work in our lives. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Forgiveness is not an, an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. It's not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. What's beautiful about the Lord is that when we, we come to Him and we ask for His forgiveness, what does the Bible say? He takes our sins and He casts them into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. That's God's love. That's God's perfect love. Not that, that He is unable to remember, not that He is limited, but He decides to forget about the sins that you committed. Why? Because it's under the blood of Jesus and you have asked for forgiveness. Isn't that good news tonight? That's good news, church. The sins that you've committed, the sins that I've committed as we came to Christ and we asked for forgiveness, He's forgotten about it. He's made a decision to forget about it. And this is an example to you and I, church, that forgiveness is a decision. God knows it's not an emotion, right? Because many times, most of the time, we don't want to forgive. Our emotions aren't telling us, you better forgive that person. No, your emotions are saying, get revenge. Let them have it. Dish, you know, they could, they could dish it out. They should be able to take it. That's what our flesh will say. But God's word tells us that, that just as He has taken our sins and cast them into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, we should strive for that. And church, I know we're not God. We remember, the devil tries to bring those things to remembrance. But that's why this quote here from, from Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said that it's a permanent attitude. It has to be a daily thing that we do. Marriages, perhaps you're having a rough past, perhaps things, perhaps things are going difficult for you right now. You have to let forgiveness be an attitude, something that you practice every day. With our children, our loved ones, our siblings, our coworkers, our boss, 
you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I want God to forgive me of everything that I've ever done, that I've ever done, and everything that I do. So what's the remedy? Well, it's, I have to look in the mirror and I have to say, I have to forgive them. I have to let forgiveness be a practice in my life. One man said this, we are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. We are most like God when we forgive. Forgive. Let that work in your life. Let that work in my life. Forgiveness. Practice it. Ask God for help to forgive. If, 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 you can't, if you feel that you can't do it, ask for God's help, and God will help you. The Holy Spirit will begin to, to help you in, in, in every area, even forgiveness. We have to love as Christ loved us. It's not so hard or difficult to forgive when we understand how the Lord forgave us. It's not so difficult to take that step to love and to forgive when we understand the trespasses that we committed to the Lord and how He still loved us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners. What is the Bible telling us that while, while God was the furthest thing from your mind, while you were out living in sin and you were, you were seeking new ways to sin and, and the pleasures of sin, as that was your ambition, the Lord was at work trying to work it out to where you could come into his kingdom. He could have cast us off. He could have said, I've given him too many chances. I've forgiven him one too many times, and yet he's doing it again and again and again. And this is the grace of God. God loves us so much that, that he chased after us. He sent his Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. He sent ministering angels to minister into our lives, family members to, to minister to us chance after chance after chance. It's the grace of God. Yet when someone offends us, we don't forgive. God's given us a million chances. And what's the saying? Fool me once, your fault. Fool me twice, my fault, right? These are the things that we, that we, some of us live by. But God's forgiven us so many times. He's had grace on our lives, and God wants us to practice this love and this grace with this world. And I'll tell you what, people, we will be bursting you know, through the doors here to come to the house of God. Why? Because we're loving as Christ loved us. That's all people want. They want to be loved. The recipe for evangelism, the recipe for, 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 for winning souls is the love of God. The devil's at work each and every day in people's lives. He's lying to them. He's accusing them. He's, made, he's belittling them. He's making them feel that they're, they're of no account and no worth. So what are they doing? Committing suicide. They're searching for the pleasures of sin out there in the world. They're going here, they're going there in different relationships. Why? Because they're trying to fill a void. And all that void is, they need the love of God. They need someone to share it. They need someone to tell them about it. It's the love of God that this world needs. We have to love as Christ loved us. Just as storms and tests 
come into our lives to show how our faith is genuine. We learned that recently. But it's the same thing with love. See, love that is conditional only goes so far. And the world is, is aware of that. The world knows that love is based on conditions, but if you cross me, if you offend me, then, then, then you're out the door. But the trials that come into our lives and the tests and trials that we face, they will prove that your love is genuine. And others will see it. They'll see that you have the love of God working in your life. They'll be drawn to you. They'll be drawn to the Lord because of, because of your testimony. There's a scripture in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, as the worship team makes their way up tonight. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, we understand how the Lord created everything perfect and beautiful way back with Adam and Eve. The Garden of Eden, everything was provided for them. There was no sickness, there was no sin, there, everything was healthy and righteous. It was heaven on earth. And it wasn't just because of the way things looked. It wasn't because that there, were, there was no sickness. It, it was heaven on earth because they had perfect relationship with their heavenly Father. They would walk and talk with God. They would spend time. There was beautiful and, and, and perfect relationship between, between God and man. And that's God's desire. That's always been God's desire. But what happened? We know the story. The serpent came in. The Bible says that he beguiled Eve and he lied. And she ate of the forbidden fruit and sin entered the world and, and Adam ate of the forbidden fruit and sin, sin entered the world and everything that was perfect and pure, that loving relationship that God had always desired with humanity and mankind, it was, it was broken at that moment. And what did God do? There's a few things that happened in this passage here. After they sinned, does the Bible say that Adam and Eve went to, to seek God? And they, they sought after him and, and then they, they were running after him? No, the Bible doesn't say that. They were hiding. And if we can see another aspect of the character of God and how loving he is. See, sometimes we think that God is is so destructive and he wants to just judge us and he, he's, he's standing up there ready to judge us. But we look at scriptures like this and what does the Bible say that Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day and then saying, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? The Lord enjoyed relationship with his children and nothing has changed. He enjoyed the fellowship. He enjoyed that, that time of communion and breaking of bread. He enjoyed that time of, of them just fellowshipping together. The Lord enjoyed that and enjoys it. People that have no concept of God will say, God is just ready to judge you and he's mad at you and he doesn't have anything to do with you. No, no. He desires relationship. So he sought after them. He was seeking after that relationship. He was chasing after them, as it were. And then in Genesis 3.21, the Bible says, And the Lord God, see, they were, they were ashamed because of their sin. They realized that they were naked, and they, they, they sowed these fig leaves, and they tried to cover their shame. But look at what happens here in Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made clothing from 
animal skins for Adam and his wife. What was the Lord doing here? He was covering them. He didn't want them to feel ashamed anymore. He didn't want them to, to feel ashamed. He covered them. This is God's desire. That he would cover us. He doesn't want you to feel ashamed. Perhaps you're in this place and you're not serving God. You're not saved. You're not following after him. Man, sin brings shame. It brings so much shame. Something that the devil doesn't show you. When temptation comes, right? All we see when temptation comes is the pleasure that sin's going to bring. But he doesn't show you the shame. He doesn't show you the consequences of that sin. He doesn't show you the death that it's going to bring and the destruction and the separation from God. He doesn't show you that. He shows you the pleasure. He shows you the fun times that you think you may have when you do that. The Lord sought to protect them from their shame. As we talk about healthy relationships and we bring this to a close, what are some things that we can do to have a healthy relationship that God desires. As we learn, let forgiveness be a practice in your life. Practice it. It's not easy. It's not the easy choice to make sometimes. It's not the, the, the popular choice, but let forgiveness be a practice in your life every single day. Pray for your enemies. Pray for them. The ones that offended you, that insulted you, that hurt you, that betrayed you. Pray for them. This is God's design for relationships, is that we would pray for our enemies. Don't harbor resentment. Don't harbor resentment. Don't hold on to it. Because the Bible says, says that this bitterness will, will, will spring forth and it will defile you and I. Don't harbor resentment. Let it go. Give it to God. Ask for forgiveness when you wrong someone. When you and I wrong someone, don't be afraid to ask for forgiveness. The fifth one, move forward. Move forward. You've been at that place long enough. Move, it's time to move forward. God desires so many good things for you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is ministering right now. And you know what this means in your life. There are those relationships that have hindered us and that are destructive. I'm not talking about those relationships that, that we have to let go of. I'm talking about the relationships that God has ordained in your life. Nurture them. Let forgiveness be at work. Don't be afraid to ask for forgiveness, to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I let so much time pass. I'm sorry that I let this... This wedge get between us. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let's move on. Let's go forward. And as we do this, church, as we commit to this, as we practice these things that are found in the Word of God, everything that we learned this month regarding healthy relationships, as we practice it, I'll tell you what, our relationships are going to be revolutionized within the four walls of our homes, within our relationships with our children with our parents, with our siblings, with our co-workers, with our brothers and sisters here in church. Don't harbor resentment. Forgive. Let forgiveness be a practice in our life, and God will continue to help us. Do you receive that this evening?
Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness, oh God. We thank you, God, for your loving kindness in our life. We thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, God, you died for us. You called us, Lord. Father, help us to follow your example of what it means to forgive. If we could have every head bowed and every eye closed this evening.